0: Hi, I'm Joe Sheeran, and welcome to the Dealmaker Series. This show highlights some of our most interesting deals by talking to the entrepreneurs and the dealmakers behind them. Today, we're talking about the sale of Whiskey Exchange to Pirno Ricard, and I'm joined by Sukinder Singh, CEO of the Whiskey Exchange, and KPMG's Rob Baxter, who heads up our consumer corporate finance team globally, and who led on the deal. Hi guys, how are you doing? All good. Hi, Jay. Hi. So, thank you so much for joining us, Akinder. Um, You have a really great uh, family business story. So, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the company and your journey. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so the story
1: starts probably close to 50 years ago. My parents started in the drinks business in 72. So, celebrating 50 years in the industry this year. Um, they were they what we believe is they were the first indians to uh get a liquor license in the uk purely by accident it wasn't planned it was it was just someone pushed them into it and they thought okay it's an opportunity let's try it um and it's interesting when i look back you know that they created a business which was really specialist from the beginning they had a lovely range of wine spirits beers liqueurs you name it and I think for me and my brother growing up in that business is what really intrigued us looking at this array of product array of bottle shapes colors prices and you know neither of us had any intention of joining the business i in, in fact we actually <laughs> we despised the business in many ways because it was very long hours it was seven days a week you know we we never went on holiday. It was, it was tough, it was really tough. My parents were working all the time. But I guess we sort of got dragged into it. You know, As we grew up, we helped more and more and more. And when we saw opportunities to improve things or fix things, we just did that. And for me personally, I guess it really happened when I um, finished university, I did chartered surveying and that was in the late 80s um biggest property crash in the uk nobody wanted a charter surveyor so it was like okay let me help out in the family business for a year and um, try again after a year you know hopefully the market's better and it didn't improve but and in that but in that year i actually fell in love with the business i changed so much you know I, i approached it from a very different way more margin-led you know why are we not making profit on this how can we make more profit what you know let's change the wine range and make it a bit more premium a bit more specialist and I really enjoyed it so literally after a year I did try again to get a job still no change and I just thought sorry I'm joining the family business you know and I can see a bigger opportunity one of the opportunities was my parents had uh, the empty shop next door and it was it was you know could we expand and make it bigger and make it more specialist and my dad goes yep let's do it so that was my first challenge was to expand the family business and honestly we did we did a really good job um the minute we opened this new shop which was another whatever 18 months later um we started winning lots of awards and really getting in the public eye i think is a way to put it you know, coming from nowhere, being a tiny little shop in West London to, you know, best drink shop in the UK, which was really exciting. And, you know, something we were very proud of. So that's really how the journey started. Amongst that, I fell in love with whiskey personally. I started collecting miniatures initially, eventually evolved into collecting big bottles, or at one point collecting both and then progressing onto big bottles and And i think you know i started incorporating that passion of whiskey into the business because we had the business we had we were dealing with all the suppliers and even though we didn't really have a customer base for it um i built the customer base i started meeting collectors around the world initially communicating by letter then fax and you know many years later the email came and it was like a revelation this is brilliant you know um so that's how things changed for us. I, I started dealing, buying and selling whiskey, A, to fund my own passion and my own collecting, it helped. Um, and that's really what happened, we just took it from there. I spoke to brother Rajbir, said, look, I'd love to do whiskey full time. What do you think? And he goes, fine, let's give it a go. Um, so we said, all right, look, let's try this we tried for a year big challenge and there were virtually no specialist whiskey shops or dealers or merchants whatever you want to call it anywhere you know there was a handful of specialist whiskey shops but that was it so we said all right we'll try it for a year and see what happens so initial idea was to buy a shop in London which we tried to do the rent scared us um so we we just sat down and thought, "What do we do?" And then one of our friends said, "Why don't you do a, a website?" And we were like, "Yeah, it sounds good, but this is scary and it's expensive because you know we were reading in the papers that people like, whatever they were called, um, uh, I can't remember now, some of the companies were raising you know millions to build a website." And we were like, "Really?" Have
0: and that know- was around dot com boom, wasn't it? Was it early two thousands? Ninety 98. 98? Ninety-eight, yeah. Ninety-nine, because we started in ninety-nine as, uh,
1: as an e-commerce merchant, so it was ninety-eight. Um, I think it was boohoo.com or something, or, or who I'm thinking. Um, so uh, one of our friends uh, we went, went to university with my brother, he goes, look, I've done IT, computer science, uh, I can build you a website. Oh, really? Because I'll charge you ten thousand you know this is what I need we'll buy some software okay let's do it we bought a little warehouse uh he built us a website uh in the interim uh we were I was just buying and selling whiskey by email you know word and mouth as we were doing in the shop and just waited for this website to be built once the website went live it was like how is anyone going to find us you know this is interesting but how is anyone going to find us but amazingly literally two days after launching we got our first order and i remember it was from germany it wasn't even from the uk it was from germany and it was like hey this is cool two days later <laughs> we got another order so it just literally grew like that i think what was when i look back what was really exciting was that that era late 90s early 2000s was really the <clears throat> best time to be in whiskey probably some of the most amazing bottlings or releases um you know whiskeys which were distilled in the 1960s and 70s they were all released there was a lot released in that era late 90s early 2000s and we were right there We were just lapping it up. You know, we were taking 50% of everything that was released. And we had these customers all around the world who were hungry for this stuff. And that's really how it started. And we just grew and grew and grew. Then we added mixed spirits because first we were doing whiskey only. And we missed mixed spirits. We were doing mixed spirits in the shop. We were doing gin, vodka, cognac, rum. We felt that no one was doing um, a good job on that so let's incorporate that into the business so we brought that in then uh we started getting calls from the entree from hotels bars restaurants saying hey we've, saw, we've seen your website you've got an amazing selection we're doing um uh, an american whiskey bar or we're doing a tequila bar we're doing a whisk you know something else a cognac bar would you supply to us can we buy from you on a, 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 on a wholesale basis we were like yeah why not so initially it was word in mouth again people would just phone us we would go my brother would go and deliver in the van himself I think the nice part is that when we started in 99 there was just two of us literally we did everything we answered the phones we took the parcels to the post office we did the ordering we did the uh, uh, unpacking and putting the bottles on the shelves you know it was every single element Wow. And a year later we brought on one more person and then slowly we just you know grew brought in a little packing team and this and that so i think it was a very nice journey and i think you know in hindsight we did the right thing because uh, we did what we really enjoyed you know it's been really challenging we worked very very long hours you know again six seven days a week even though we didn't have to because i was like obsessed with getting website right and making sure we can find more stock and trying to see how we can grow the business so that's really how it is and you know now 20 plus years later here we are you know we are probably the most specialist um one of the things we pride ourselves on is old and rare whiskies and spirits um which you can refer to similar to being like um antique and like um, fine wine market where, you know, we buy and sell old and rare bottles from early 1900s, 1950s, 1960s. And we were really the first dealer of whiskey. You know, today you read in the paper every day, whiskey is on fire. Whiskey is the best investment since sliced bread. It's just, you know, better than gold, better than the stock market, better than wine. You know, we look back and say, we actually helped create that because we were the first you know that's exactly what we did we we got new product in we kept back a little proportion five ten percent of the stock sold everything else and then drip fed out you know over the next five to ten years when we felt the time was right um we helped grow the market we spoke to people who were collectors we spoke to people who were drinkers guided them in the right direction then we had we opened our first shop in Venopolis um going back now probably 12 13 14 years i don't remember and you know then we started master classes people were so hungry for education and you know we used to put a master class live at 12 o'clock and by five past 12 we sold out and we had another 50 people waiting uh, wow. to come so it was great at the at the time it was really really great I think what was also interesting was the amount of product was controllable you know we can manage the new products that are coming in um i'd like to say i knew every single whiskey that was coming out and we had tried it and we knew what was there today the market is just insane it's on fire um we get maybe 20 30 40 new whiskeys a week you know, and that's even, that's being quite picky and, you know,
0: quite selective. Um, The market's changed a lot. Yeah. And just what size did you actually grow to then in that 20 years? So in which way? In terms of like employees and that Uh, all sort of things. I think it's, remember, we're doing a lot of different
1: things and now we've, extended an auction we have three shops uh as I said we have an on-trade team so all together I'd say we're pro staff wise about 150 160 for that for those businesses right amazing amazing yeah and
0: turnover wise we're hitting I think just over 70 million something like that Brilliant. Uh, yeah what a, what a great story seconder so you've obviously had this great journey and at what point did you think, hmm, maybe it's time to sell? In honesty, we weren't
1: looking to sell. Yeah, this has really happened by accident, is what I would say. You know, in the back of our mind, we knew that we, we needed to be prepared that, you know, we couldn't get over emotional and we, we had to sell at the right time. We knew in the back of our mind that, when the timing was right we would look at selling yeah um but remain in the industry because we love it a lot you know this is what we've been doing since the beginning 22 23 years full time um so i think i didn't want to leave it but i always knew there'd be there would be a time that you couldn't do everything you know we're trying to do a lot of different things and as i said still working very very long hours so there we would have to digest at some point so this just really happened so a number of years ago probably three or four years ago um one of the the md of Pernod ricard uk came to see me and said listen i love your business and i feel that there is a synergy there we could do a lot more together i didn't really understand what he was implying i was happy to talk you know and I think he went and spoke to the board and said look there's something here we need to look at it we need to talk we should do something and I think nothing happened for a few years because they were busy as well in their own ways and then all of a sudden about a year and a half ago um got a call saying we would love to talk to you and you know I got the gist that they were interested to buy and I said look I'm really sorry I'm not interested to sell They were persistent please can we at least talk and i was like okay fine let's talk because you know they're my key supplier i have to talk to them and they were like let's look at some sort of partnership let's look at some sort of joint venture we'd like to invest in you uh we, we feel these are the merits this that, the other i think i had a lot of concerns in my mind with you know how would it work you know could a drinks company run an e-commerce website which sells other people's products and try and keep the independence you know it's quite there's a lot of questions there uh how would they treat staff etc etc so we addressed everything i told them all my concerns and i guess in our conversations over time they literally addressed everything and said you know we're, we we understand all these things we're very conscious of it Uh, this is our aim, this is our goal, but we need your help, we need your team's help, you know, we don't want to change anything, Uh, you will remain an independent company. And so it just really happened from there. I think initially it was just, you know, talking. I think once we decided that there might be something here, I think that's when we decided we better bring in some help, you know, some advisors to to guide us Um, it's very difficult talking to your supplier directly you know it's it's quite difficult Um, and i was also conscious you know how other companies in the industry would react um, or was there an opportunity to talk to other companies in the industry we didn't want to you know close ourselves in with one company and then realize it was a much bigger opportunity somewhere else so I think that's when we decided to look for advisors and ended up with uh, Rob and his team at KPMG.
0: Great. And Rob, from your perspective, what was happening in the drink sector at this time? Um, a lot,
2: Joe, was happening in the drink that's sector cool. at the time. I think you want a longer answer. Um, but it was... I mean, it was... Uh, Obviously, during the pandemic, the kind of real height of the pandemic, in many ways, um, and I think for a lot of drinks companies, they were really reviewing and still are reviewing their routes to market, whether their routes to market were right or a um, a mid-pandemic and post-pandemic environment, whatever that may be. So, you know, I was aware and had been speaking to a lot of the, you know, global. Drinks owners who were debating at board level, um, direct to consumer in particular was one of the key topics. You know, do we build our own capability in this area? Do we buy capability in D to C? You know, they were still a huge proportion of the volume was still and is still through quite traditional routes to market through the on trade and the off trade, and you know they wanted it was clear that b2c um, was becoming a higher volume part it also allowed um, you know allowed the drinks owners to have a direct relationship with consumers which is something you know Sakinda has talked about and knows in his bones you know what consumers want and knows the way the industry has gone through the through the years and it was maybe something that the drinks the brand owners felt slightly distant from um, you know having the direct relationship they felt would allow them to test product to learn from consumers reaction to get that direct feedback and that's not something traditionally they'd had so you know at the time and still that debate internally within the drinks companies was raging and i don't think they completely concluded but the speed of change was so fast from offline to online and to D2C that they felt they couldn't fully conclude on the debate, really. And they didn't need to conclude on the debate. And rather than buy or build, I think many of them took the the decision that we should just do both. We should build our own capability and we should buy businesses as well. Um, So, you know, that, that was you know a big part of the debate and and what was going on in the drinks industry at the time and there were other acquisitions that had been um, you know completed in uh, d2c businesses internationally and so we were picking up that there was real interest from global strategic parties in in buying d2c businesses um, you know and that's when that's when um, the story took us up to you know when we were introduced to Sekinder and you know, Sikinda discussed his business, which, you know, he, he's talked quite modestly about it, but is, you know, is, is, is absolutely the market leader. And not just because of its D2C business, although, you know, that online business is right at the heart, but the whiskey exchange is really synonymous with quality in the industry, with, you know, well-edited, well-curated products. Um, and, and it's an ecosystem much beyond just the online business, it's an ecosystem that, you know, has multiple channels to market, and and all of that, you know, was, was part of the, part of the, um, the reason behind the success of the transaction, not, not just the online business, but online was obviously, you know, a a real hot topic at the moment.
0: Great. Thanks, Rob. So, Sukinder, you've decided to sell what was keeping you awake at night during, during this process? Honestly,
1: nothing. I, I, I don't think so. I think it's just, it was not knowing how things would change, it was not knowing uh, staff reaction, So just basic things like that. But in honesty, we didn't know, you know, whether the transaction would go through or not you know it had to be right otherwise we would have said no simple as that so as i said we weren't looking to sell so i think we were in a very strong position which um which i think was a real positive um you know we we led it i think in most ways you know rather than letting them take over and we being um, the underdog i think we were in a very good strong
0: position um And from your perspective, Rob, with COVID obviously happening at the same time, what kind of other challenges were being faced?
2: Maybe I'm more of a worrier, but I was kept up at night more than Sekhinda with different concerns, <laughs> I would say. But um, you know, they they were um, you know they were concerns about how the trading environment was changing through the through the process. Really, you know the, the uh, huge wave of of uh, you know trading online for a lot of DC, d2c businesses kind of gave way in the in the summer of 2021 as lockdowns ended to uh, you know a tougher trading environment um, so it, it was nothing to do with the kind of fundamental or strengths of the whiskey exchange or the strategic importance of the whiskey exchange to panrica it was more to do with would you know, the, you know, day-to-day trading, week-by-week, monthly trading hold up um, to, to the extent that it kept the show on the road, if you like, in the transaction. And Thankfully, you know, the business traded well uh, all throughout the transaction period, which is, you know, pretty important. Um, so, I, I, you know, there there were challenges. There's always bumps in the road through these transaction processes. But, you know, um, Sakinda has you know, I guess fostered a really open collaborative style and, you know, appreciates the challenge, I would say, Um, likes to have the debate. And so there were course corrections that, you know, ended up meaning that the, the, you know, the bumps in the road didn't become bigger bumps. You know, we we course corrected as we went and made quite quick decisions through the transaction process. So I'd agree generally with Sekinda. there wasn't masses that worried us through the process it was pretty smooth as far as these things go but you know I think that was you know in part thanks to the, the strength of the businesses and, and the business and, it, and in part thanks to you know a very open communication style through the through the deal
0: Thanks Rob and just just staying with you what do you think really attracted Perro car I know you've kind of touched on this a bit but what what was
2: it what was what's whiskey exchange bringing to their business? um i think i think it's bringing a lot to their business um and and i think they bring a lot to the whiskey exchange it's a really good partnership and, and i you know in my view at least it's the, it feels like a really good home for the business um perno were attracted by the, you know they they trade with the business and have, have traded with the business for a long time so they they knew it uh, operationally they they know uh, you know, and, and helpfully when you've got a trading relationship already with a business that you're looking to acquire, there's a there's a pretty good form of due diligence you can do, which is how how are our products trading through the whiskey exchange platform. Um, they, you know, I, I think were drawn in by, as we as I talked about, the the direct relationship with consumers. They were drawn in by the reputation of the whiskey exchange, not just in the UK but internationally for um, its it's premium focus. And, and that was a, a really important aspect. Pano Ricard do have their own DTC business and drinks and co, but the whiskey exchange has a real focus on the, on the premium end of the market, And and that's, you know, that's uh, in the whiskey, it feels in the whiskey um, segment, at least it feels like a market with no upper end. I mean, the the kind of prices of individual bottles that Sikind has talked about through the deal is just eye watering really. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really strong market which has you know got a very um you know a very strong premium element to it so i think the d2c aspect the premium aspect i think sakinda himself is an authority in the whiskey sector and you know sakinda truthfully is is part of the attraction for, for perno Ricard. is you know um tapping into his knowledge and guidance uh, and authority in in the industry is something um that was, that was really important, and they did want to hear, you know, that Sukhinder was still committed to the business for a period of time, at least. Um, so there were a lot of attractions, Joe, really. Um, I mean, it's a it's just a very strong business uh, overall. Thanks, Rob. So you've had
0: what sounds like an amazing deal, Sukhinder. And I guess just reflecting on the process and that side of things what lessons learned would you like to share with other people um i think fortunately
1: we made very few mistakes along the way which i think uh, was really good um i would say we realized that timing is really top priority you know um and i think our timing was superb really was um i said we weren't looking to sell but it happened and then you know we assessed it we looked at it we looked at the market we spoke to kpmg and said you know what is your what is your vision what is your analysis say and are they looking at it when you see that literally all the big drinks companies around the world are looking at d2c yeah that means in the long term that's competition for us yeah and if we and you know we're thriving on premium products which are more and more allocated. And if those allocated products go more to to D2C, i.e. within their portfolio and we get less and less, that's not good. You know, we had a challenge before with people like with the likes of Amazon, you know, but we we segregated ourselves away from Amazon. We have much more premium. Um, So we managed to fight off Amazon, you know. We do sell a lot of uh, mainstream product and, you know, it's affected ourselves considerably it's affected our margins considerably but we've recouped that by becoming more premium and more specialist uh which was good but i think that when we looked at it and said you know we could have another challenge with dtc from suppliers that for us made our decision to you know this is probably a good time so i think timing was really important the second i would say is finding the right team of advisors to work with you Um, and of course you know the right lawyers and the right whatever analysis of people who are going to do due diligence etc you know we spent a bit of time interviewing a number of companies for each of these uh, elements and you know all the companies were really good but I think at the end of the day we chose very well and the whole experience was really pleasurable you know we used to have our weekly meetings and actually look forward to them have a nice banter and you know as Rob said fortunately there were very few issues it was a very open um, open process but I think for me having the comfort of having someone manage the conversations and guide you know um, the other party as to what we're thinking or where they need to be um, was was really good because i couldn't have done that myself you know you get intimidated with the supplier and it's too difficult so i think having a very strong team of advisors that you can work with and enjoy the process you know i i hate you know doing something where you know things are going wrong you know lawyers are saying something you're saying something else and it's just not a clean situation you want an open flow and i think all the three teams we had everyone worked beautifully together um and made the journey you know okay made made the journey really I wouldn't say pleasurable but seamless we we I think did take our time we I think Perno were pushing us quite a lot like oh we want to complete within you know we want this whole transaction to be done within two months and we said no we're going to take our time and you know it took us six eight ten months maybe but it was the right thing to do because. You know, we were running a business as well as trying to you know provide them all the data put everything together and literally you know my financial controller spent close to a year just literally on this and nothing
0: else yeah it's a big commitment isn't it yeah and rob from your side lessons learned why was the process so smooth from
2: your from your side um Yeah, I think, I I mean, we did do, we we did kind of um, put our foot on the ball, if you like, in the face of Pernod Ricard trying to, um, understandably, but trying to complete a transaction as quickly as possible. And we, um, you know, were able to put up a defense which said really, you know, the business is not ready for, you know, we're flattered, but the business is not ready. We need to spend some time doing some preparation. And then once we've done that preparation, we will come back to you and engage with you. And I think it was helpful in setting the tone with future discussions with Pernod Ricard. You know, it was a, it put the relationship on an even keel, if you like, a more balanced relationship between the two parties. We were, we had a clear plan. We were confident in the plan, pretty decisive at the early stage. And we, you know, put together a, uh, we commissioned an external vendor due diligence, which I think was important. Um, we spent our time, you know, with the help of Sikinda's brilliant team on the finance side, um, you know, preparing the financials um, in a way that, you know, did justice to all of the hard work that Sikinda's talked about. And I think that preparation was really important. Um, and And we knew there was a negotiation coming. We knew there was a you know, some tough discussions to be had. And, you know, my role was slightly as the as the bad cop, um, you know, in, in leading some of those negotiations with the client, but it was necessary to shield Sikinda from, um, you know, from those tough discussions, because he had um, an ongoing relationship with, you know, a, a long relationship in the past, and hopefully a long relationship in the future with with Pernod Ricard as well. And so it would have been impossible, really, um, for Sakinda to do that. So I think that 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 negotiation was tough at times. And we, you know, we we didn't always get on brilliantly with, with Perno through the process, but we we concluded as friends. And, you know, we reached a stage where um, you know, I think both sides were were really really delighted with the outcome, and we've we've shaken hands and forgotten all the, the harsh words in between. Really, so you know, it it, it was my advice. Really, is um, you know to, to build on what Sakinda said. I think is around preparation for me. Early preparation, our preparation, um, you know, was was really important in speeding up the back end of the deal and getting something closed really quickly um so yeah it, it's a pretty boring bit of recommendation and something you'd expect from an advisor but, but but advanced preparation was really important in this case
0: great thanks rob so great outcome great deal i'd love to just go behind it a, a, um, a bit more and learn a bit more about you supinder if that's okay um so what do you know now that you wish you had known when you started out
1: Um, I think it's just basically going back a little bit to what Rob just said, it's um, I think because we've never been through this process, we didn't really know what to expect. We knew there was going to be a lot of work and providing a lot of data, but I think I didn't really know the extent of it. Um, fortunately, we had very good uh, records, you know, we were completely you know, everything was right because we weren't ready or we weren't looking to sell there was an element of company restructure which we had to do as alongside the sale and i think it was just a lot to do i in hindsight i would have liked that the company restructure was done a little ahead rather than all consecutively at the same time because it just it was just a lot at the last minute you know and there was a lot of changes for even for perno to take in that, you know what's going on here so i think that was really it as i said you know the deal went quite smoothly we were we were we had the upper hand um uh, we were fortunate that uh, we had um, another, uh, uh, com- another another potential buyer come along uh near the end and we decided uh, that we would talk to them as well and that helped the whole process in terms of a little bit more healthy competition and a little bit more pressure for for Perno. So everything worked. I, I think no nothing. I would say extra on top of that. It was just you know we took our time. I think we had to because we had a lot to do.
0: Great, thanks, Lucinda. So in in your career, who's been most influential? Wow. um i think the way i look at it is
1: one regret i have is never ever going out and working for a business or a company so you know i started straight in my family business and not understanding fully you know how to grow a company um you know structures within a company how things should fall how reporting should be done our management should be done I think it's been a learning curve which we've learned ourselves and by bringing good people into the team um and learning off them and helping them you know uh, bring structure a bit more structure um I think for me you know we got to a point in the business where you know I guess being a family business and starting it ourselves we're a little bit too hands-on which is a very typical family business scenario i was always mindful of that and i always used to look up to i guess you know the bigger businesses to say well they can run global uh, corporations and global businesses so why can't we so i was always trying to sort of you know bring good people in and 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 um just improve the structures but in hindsight um could have done that more you know um found that i'm just doing too much both of us me and my brother and myself we just do a lot so i think now you know we have to change that because you know we've got a handover period we need to make sure we leave the business in really good hands so I, there's no one in specific i would say you know there's people that i've met in the business in different fields um i'm really a whiskey guy so you know i looked up to people who are who are really good at whiskey in terms of great palate and how they approach things, could be a bartender in Japan. It could be, you know, a marketing director, which I've learned a lot from. So it's just lots of different people uh, that you learn bits and pieces from. And you know, we're still friends even though they they're not involved in um, our business in a direct way anymore. But you know, we still talk. We're still friends,
0: and I mean that's really important and really good. Thanks, Sukinder. So just building on that whole of recommendations of whiskey, but it doesn't have to be whiskey. What's your most recent spirit discovery that is worth sharing?
1: That's a very difficult question. You have to remember we're getting in 40, 50 new products a week and we're we're getting, you know, samples from casks to select, to do our own bottling. So we're looking for really interesting stuff all the time. Uh, so i can't tell you a whiskey as such um i think for us sometimes it's the non-whisky which is more interesting you know and helping grow let's say the rum category the cognac category and still discovering you know these small uh, domains or a new distillery you set up a few years ago um when someone new sets up i always take it with a pinch of salt because You can't judge someone just just because they built something beautiful or they're a nice person. You know, creating good liquid is an art. You know, Um, everyone can produce okay whiskey or okay spirits. But creating something which is pretty special, pretty good, is, is really quite tough. So this year, for example, in the Whiskey Exchange, we created a new award called Rising Star and we nominated this year uh, a new rum distiller in scotland called sugar house and we chose their product and uh, you know my colleague dawn said to me i really like this and i said okay let's try it and honestly very surprised very very surprised very pleased so that's for me something a
0: bit different um there's too many Sugarhouse, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look up sugarhouse. I'm actually in Scotland sugar
1: this weekend, house, yeah. so <laughs> it's actually a white rum. I mean they're aging stuff, but the one we've chosen is a white rum. And you know, white rum is quite different. Not many people are into white rum. You know, they don't think of rum being white. Um I know bacardi is a white rum and a lot of people don't realize bacardi is a rum, but it's it's a light rum, you know, it's a mixable rum. This is a very sugar has a very characterful rum you're tasting the molasses you're tasting the you know sugarcane somewhere in between and it's lovely it's really really nice little rustic and quite full-on but what we like in spirits is flavor you know we want to taste the bigger the flavor the more interesting the flavor the better but of course it needs to be clean and balanced
0: yeah And what about
2: you rob have you discovered any spirits of light um after we completed the deal sakinda was kind enough to invite us to the whiskey show which um he he runs and 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 hosted us there and um i i can honestly say that that was the same day as the london marathon was going on and so the satisfaction of sipping whiskey whilst watching uh, marathon runners on about mile 20 overlooking the marathon route was was huge and um, I'm, I'm not sure by the end of it, I think my palate was a bit scrambled, um, but there was some fantastic non, um, some new world whiskeys if you like from Canada, Ireland that we tried, so I would um, struggle to pick out one, my memory of the day is still quite good, but I would struggle to pick out one that, that stood out, but they were all fantastic. Great, thanks. So
0: we're just coming to a close and I just wondered if both of you just have some advice for future sellers. I think from my side, as I think
1: your company needs to be, you know, your books need to be clean because that's really what it's about. There's a lot of due diligence to do. So I think that's important, the timing, the right team advisors. For me, that's really those three any rub
2: probably i mean I, I i guess you know i've, I've given my slightly boring do, let's do the preparation um advice and don't underestimate the level of preparation but, but i would say you know drawing on what sakinda said don't be daunted by the process you know it's something really to lean into and and try and enjoy it as you go um it, you know it, it it's obviously a huge step for anybody to undertake decisions to tell their business but, but it is also something to be enjoyed and to help you look forward to you know the next few years of your life so you know if you can enjoy it i would say you know try and enjoy the process
0: thanks rob and just as we close you
2: i know you've got some pretty
0: exciting plans going forward i just didn't know if you wanted to share a couple of things with us on that side.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, look, there's still a lot to do, you know, we have a two year tie in, we've still got targets to achieve. So as I said, you know, we've been very hands on. So first it's really, you know, building a a good team around us to be able to take over. So that's going to take a lot of our time, but I think to look forward to, uh, we're building a distillery in Scotland. Uh, We're trying to grow our own brands. You know we're building that team now um to strengthen it and look forward to the distillery you know the distillery is just they've just started building as of a couple of months ago so it, it's it's really good we've got a really good team again in place great project manager advisor um you know learning something new every day it's all well saying i know a lot about whiskey but actually. Um, production is a completely different beast you know than just trying good liquid and choosing a great cask. it's a completely completely different thing so a lot of learnings and again we've taken our time this 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 started literally six seven years ago we've taken our time finding the side we've had some problems with uh, water source um so we took our time there and now we're taking our time on the plant on everything just you know what we want it's it's interesting because previously when we used to go on distillery trips it was more about oh it's beautiful let's try the whiskey and let's pick up some cars and let's look at this but now when we go our mindset is very different you know we're looking at oh what how do you produce what's your fermentation how long is your fermentation What you know how do you cut your spirit and all these other geeky (laughs) questions which before we never used to ask so
0: Cooper. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think we're looking forward to it. Um, it should be good fun. Yeah, sounds amazing. What's what's the name of the distillery? Can you share that? Um, I can't because we haven't decided at the moment. Um, All right. OK, well, I we'll keep an we'll eye, keep eye out, out for it. it but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, definitely. Definitely. We'll, we'll decide very soon. Great. Thanks, Sukinder. Well, that's all we have time for today and i just want to thank you both so much that was really fascinating um and thanks everyone else for your support to date and i hope to see you all again soon